It's an honor and a privilege to be able to share with you tonight. And uh, thank you, uh, Brother Dr. Fred, for the invitation to come. And uh, thank you all for uh, welcoming me. Uh, this is home. I will uh, never disown Elam. Bless you, brother. Bless you. No shame, right? Um, you know, a week, week of prayer is a rough week. How y'all doing? You know, my first week of prayer was sitting in the second row. It was arranged a little slightly, slightly different. And I was sitting in the second, third row with some of my friends. Uh, my good friend, uh, Pastor Keith Barreto, he was sitting next to me. And you know, I had fell asleep. And he, I'm telling you, we could pray or do that to you. I, I'm going to be honest. I fell asleep. I wasn't super spiritual no matter how much I tried to pretend, you know. And so I fell asleep. And you know how when you fall asleep, sometimes you like jerk. And I made the mistake and just like jerked. And so to play it off, I just went from, hallelujah. <laughs> and my, my, my buddy Keith Barreto who's sitting next to me, he just looks at me like, and later on we talked about it and laughed about it. But, you know, being here at Elam is such a wonderful opportunity. It's a, a wonderful uh, opportunity just to grow, to soak in as much as, what, as much as you can take in, because God has done some amazing things. You are a part of an amazing legacy here at Elam. Let's give the Lord a hand for all that he's done throughout the history of Elam. Um, I'm grateful tonight. My wife, Jessica, she sends her love. I'm grateful for my son, Aslan. He's our third oldest, and he's with us. And this is curious. His mom and I, we met here at this campus. We were students, ring by spring, you know, whatever. But uh, we, uh, we met here, and um, the Lord did some wonderful things in us, and so it's always fun to talk with him about this and then let him see and let him experience. And who knows what the Lord will do in his heart as he's responding to God's movement in his life. But I want to uh, just bring you a few thoughts from Psalm chapter 1. Psalm 1. The book of Psalms is the hymn book, a prayer book of Scripture. And there are just a few thoughts that I want to leave with you that hopefully could uh, strengthen you and encourage you in your walk. Uh, my brother, Pastor Dave Ham, was here. He sent me a text and said, man, do well tonight. And he's praying for me. Um, I hope y'all have some energy left because Pastor Dave has some energy. He brings it. And, uh, and I know that you all were blessed by him being with you. So Psalm 1, um, I'm reading out of the Christian Standard Bible, but um, I'm sure you'll be able to follow along. It says, how happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers? Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither. 
whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. And back to verse 3, he is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you just for your presence with us. We ask that you would speak to our hearts, that you would open the eyes of our heart, that we may see and understand what you are doing, and that we would yield to your almighty hand, that we would surrender and submit to your ways, God, that we would be able to pray with Jesus, not our will, but your will be done. And Father, I pray for those who may be feeling any resistance in their spirit to just being here, Father. I pray that you would uh, break down that wall of resistance, that they would be able to yield to you in Jesus' name. And all of God's people say, amen. So as I was thinking about our time together and praying, um, I really began to see a picture of roots, of roots. And it talks about in this psalm that the one who meditates, who delights in God's, who delights in the Lord's instructions, who meditates on it day and night, would be like a tree planted. And this planted is an intentional planting. And I just was, as I was thinking about this, meditating on this, uh, the Lord having you here at Elam is intentional. Whether you got here through your own intention or someone else's intention, you being here is intentional. And you have been planted intentionally by a living stream. This is a living stream, if you will allow me to take liberty and, and just speak in these terms tonight. God has done a marvelous work here throughout the years at Elam. He was doing it in my time, he was doing it before my time, and he's doing it in your day. And he will continue to do it. And the thing about a living stream is that it's always flowing. See, when you put your hand in the stream and you take it out, and when you put it back in, it's the same stream, but it's not the same water. You get what I'm saying? There's a different flow. And so in order for a tree to be fruitful, it first starts as a seed. And before it can grow up, it has to grow down. And see, I believe the Lord wanted me to speak to you about roots because things like this week of prayer, it's nourishing the roots. And see, when you talk about roots, you're talking about a hidden work. This is not something that's visible. Like, we all love fruit. Everybody loves the fruit, right? We love the leafy green. We love to sit under the shade. But none of that would be possible without roots. 
without roots that were soaking up the nourishment, the nutrients, the water that was necessary to sustain the life of that tree. And so God wants to minister to your roots. He wants you to know that the fruit will come if you tend to the root. And see, we have to be surrendered to what God wants to do. You know, my wife, she tells the story, and, and I was present for it. It's, it's our story, but if she was here, she'd tell it in a much more animated way. But our, um, um, her, our third, no, see, when you get so many kids, you got to think about this. So our fourth son, Amari, thank you, son, Amari he was born, my wife had a C-section. And so when she had a C-section, they had to tie her arms down. And, um, and you know, they put a sheet up, a, a sheet, so she couldn't look and see what they were doing. And she was asking, like, why y'all, why y'all tying me up? And, she, and the doctor responded, says, look, the reason we're tying you down is because we can tell you what we're going to do but your body's natural tendency is going, to be, is going to be to fight against what we're doing. So we have to tie you up. And see, this is when, during week of prayer is when our flesh is like, I don't want to participate in this. I don't want to be a part of this. This is long. Even Jesus' disciples, when he, he told them, he says, hey, I want y'all to come and pray with me. And Jesus was praying and then he went back to check on his disciples, and they were knocked out. And his instructions was, look, I need you to watch and pray so that you do not enter into temptation. But they fell asleep again, again, and again. And he said to them, he said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so you might find a little resistance right now, but it's okay. Stay committed and stay near the living stream. Stay submitted to the stream. And you might even have to talk to yourself sometimes. And like, look, I know we don't want to do this right now. I know we don't want to be here right now. I, may, I know we might not want the correction that's coming. But we must stay near the living stream because this is where the Lord has intentionally planted us. This is where he has you for this season. The roots are a hidden work. You know, you, you, you don't grow up first, you grow down first. I remember once I had this dream. Uh, we were, I think, in our fourth or fifth year of marriage. And I remember in this dream, um, I had woke up, and it was time, it was the day to cut the grass. And I was like, yo, I do not feel like cutting this grass today. And I was like, but you know what? I better cut the front because I don't want the neighbors tripping. I don't want them acting a fool. You know, let me just cut this front, keep them happy. And so I cut the front, and I was like, I'll get the back when I get it. And in my dream, Dr. Fred, this went on for months, for years. And then this one, after an amount of time had passed, I woke up all energetic and I said, all right, I'm going to cut the back today. And I went to the backyard and it was a jungle. 
I mean, it was all kinds of plants and trees, all things that my lawnmower was not equipped to deal with. And I remember sitting before the Lord, and I was like, Lord, what, what, what is this? What is this about? Called my brother, was talking to him, wrestling with this. And then I heard the Lord say, as only he can, he can say, he said, beware of tending to only the visible parts of your life. You know, only, you, sometimes you want to only tend to the things that people can see and affirm. But you got to be ever so careful to watch the hidden matters of the heart, of what is going on beneath the surface where no one can see. You see, because you, when we're talking about roots, we're talking about this hidden roots. And the truth of the matter now with this jungle there in my backyard, now I have to call in reinforcements. Now I have to call in specialists. Now, when I should have cut it the first time, I was equipped to deal with it. I could deal with it because it was just, it was just maintaining it. But now that I had let it go out of control, now there's all sorts of animals harboring. By, and listen, I can, I can barely get along with the dog. I'm not going back there with, with bobcats and all those sorts of things. But now I need reinforcements to deal with it. And so God wants us to tend to the hidden areas of our hearts. And so when we talk about tending to the roots of our lives, making sure that we are, our roots are connected, first of all, to a living stream. And first and foremost, we know that that living stream is the Spirit of God. We know it's the Spirit of Christ. Paul, when he was praying for the Ephesians uh, in chapter 3, you should read it sometime. But he says that he prays that they will be rooted and grounded in the knowledge of God's love. This is important here. Why? I'm going to tell you another pregnancy story. We just got a lot of kids, so a lot of pregnancy stories. Sorry. So, um, when Amari was the last child I told you about, he was born as a, as a result of a C-section. After that, my wife and I, we decided that, hey, the next time she gives birth, we'll go through a doula, a midwife. And it was the, one of the best decisions we ever made, but that's not this sermon, not now. Um, but anyway, when, we were, when this doula was prepping us for the uh, birth of our fourth child, um, she was just giving us all kinds of information that we had never heard before. But she said, one of the things that we're going to do when this baby is born is we're going to take this baby and we're going to lay him, soon as we can, directly on his mother's chest. Because when we do that, they'll lay skin to skin, and that's going to release a chemical that's called oxytocin. And oxytocin is what they call the love hormone or the love chemical. And what it does is it's going to signal to that baby that he is safe, he is where he belongs, and he is going to feel instant relief because this process is so new to him. Like, okay. And when it happened, it was amazing to watch. Well, why, why do I bring this revelation out? This is why we need to be rooted and grounded in God's love. Because when we know the love of Christ, 
and we know that his love is the only thing that could keep us secure and grounded, the enemy cannot rock us because we know that God loves us. My son, when he was born, he didn't come here asking, hey, what's my identity? Who am I? What are you going to name me? No, he came here looking for love. Who loves me? Who, 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 who's going to love me? And so I, I say that because one of the places where the enemy fights us the most is in terms of our identity and our sense of belonging. But when our roots are in a living stream and we're drawing from the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God feeds our roots and nourishes our roots so that we know that we are surrounded by God's love. God's love. I don't have to worry and deal with uh, the sense of, of wrestling, hey, does God love me? Does he not? And we, and you know, as, as Christians, sometimes we, we get bamboozled with wrong theology about, you know, that God doesn't love us. And you'll hear things, well, you know, God, he don't really like you, so he put you in Christ so he can put up with you. You know, that's how it comes across sometimes. You know, like, you're in Christ because God can't stand you, so he can, he can deal with you in, in, in Christ. And, and that's not it. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so God's love for you can't be compared to anything. It really is true that God gave up his, self, his very own self to get, to get you. To be in relationship with you. And we need to have this settled because the enemy will test us in all sorts of areas. But when we have this question settled of God's love, we can't be shaken. Now, one of the things that I love to do at Elam is play basketball. I used to play, it was in the old gym that's gone now. I won't cry any tears. But I was a pretty good jumper. But if you saw me jump from here, to here, you'd be pretty impressed, right? The stereotype would be true. <laughs> Just a little jokey joke, y'all get it. But if, if you saw me do that, right, I wouldn't have to convince you that I can jump to here, right? Because that, that would be solved. Well, listen, if God so freely gave up his son for you and I, everything else is just small potatoes compared to that. He's already redeemed you and forgiven you for the worst that you've done. So is, is God gonna, what is God going to do with me after I leave Elam? Uh, you know, what has God, will I, will, I, will I have a spouse? Will I have this? Will I be able to pay my tuition? Will I be able to do these things? Listen, God loves you so much. He planted you here intentionally. He's going to take care of the rest. He's going to do it. He's going to sustain this school. This school has been here as a place, as a living stream for so many people, and there's people yet to come. Why? Because God's love needs to be made known and manifest to those. 
So roots, listen, let me, let me hurry here. I know that you've been here all week here. But there, there's a couple of things that, that roots does. A, a root uh, stabilizes and anchors a tree. It stabilizes and anchors a tree. One of the things that struck me is when Jesus told the parable of the sower, um, there was the seed that fell on uh, stony or rocky ground. And it said that when the sun rose, it, it sprang up, but then it died quickly. And Jesus said that's because the, there was no depth of soil so it could take root and stabilize it. And so, listen, we need to be stabilized. And here at your time at Elam, you're not just getting information, but you're receiving impartation. In these times of prayer, you know, you're in, in the classroom. Yes, you're learning information, but you're learning it from people who have been filled with the presence of God, who are not just concerned with how much you know, but they're concerned about how you grow. And so they're imparting life into you. And so soak it up. This is so you can be established. This is so when you leave this place, look, you may not understand it while you're here, but when you leave this place, you want to be able to stay. And you've all heard tales of gifted leaders, of gifted men and women of God who do these awesome things. But yet, because of their character, they can't maintain the gift. And it would, it, it's, it's sad, but we don't want to be people who are just, who just have these gifts and we use them without being developed in our character. And so a root, when it is nourished, it, it allows the tree to be stabilized. So when this tree grows up high, you better believe it's got some strong roots. May the Lord cause us to grow with some depth before the height. You know, I, I've never had, since high school, I've never had a problem getting a job. If I applied for it, it was just the Lord's favor that I would get it, and I never, I never got turned down for a job. My first year of marriage, I could not find a job. When I left, when I graduated from Elam, I was trying to find a job, and all of my buddies were going into full-time, like, ministry jobs and, and things like that, working for churches. And um, at that time, you know, Brother Paul, he called me up. He says, hey, 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 I got something for you to do. And I was like, oh, yeah, you, you got something? And he was like, we, 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 we need somebody to cut the grass. <laughs> this, this grass analogies, I'm just realizing this right now at this moment. <laughs> now, I do love cutting grass, but I have allergies. And so we were living in our first apartment. My wife is pregnant with our first child. She's working in admissions. And I'm wrestling with this sense of, I got I to gotta provide for my family. I got to take care of my family. And I had filled out applications everywhere. Nobody was responding. And I knew I had to go to Roberts to finish my education. And, uh, and so I'm cutting grass. And I'm cutting in this huge field with one of those push mowers. And I'm cutting and I'm sneezing, I'm coughing, and I'm mad as all get out. I'm so angry and I'm like, 
God, what are you ha- having me out here doing? <laughs> like, I can't believe this. This person is over here doing this. This person is doing that. And you told me to come to this school from Chicago. And my wife is pregnant. She's working. And I'm out here cutting grass. Giving God the business. And God very gently says, son, my way is humility before exaltation. Satan's way is exaltation before humility. Okay. 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 All right. All right. Broken in that moment, you know what I do? I cut that grass. Because there's something deeper at work. And yes, God loves when people preach and teach and give wonderful messages, but God is also concerned with the messenger. And so just as people take as much time crafting brilliant messengers, God takes his time crafting his messengers because it's important. It's important because it's not just what you say, but it's what you embody in word and deed. It matters. So allow your roots to be developed so you can be stabilized and have an anchor so that when you leave this place, you'll be able to stand the heat, the pressure, whatever comes. The second thing that roots do is they nourish the life of the tree by taking in nutrients and by taking in water. This is the other thing. You're going to get all sorts of wonderful things here, wonderful experiences, as you learn to just be in the presence of God and submit to his dealings in your life. There's going to be all sorts of opportunities, things that you'll glean from and you'll learn and just soak it up. And let it feed you and let it grow you up. And you'll begin to grow as you take that in. But another part of that, that um, taking in those nutrients and the, and the water is that roots also store it up for future use later. So that, you can, so that the tree could be sustained maybe in times of drought or things of that nature. Because the roots have done the work of storing it up. And so everything that you get here may not be for now. But store it up because you'll need it later. Uh, As a student here, I remember I had the uh, wonderful opportunity to meet Costa Dare before he passed. Great, powerful leader. When When I came to Elam, I'd heard so many stories And, you know, I was just like, I want to meet that man. I hear so many stories about him. And this is maybe, I want to say, a short time before he passed away. I spent a lot of time with Brother Paul Johansson, who was uh, president then at Elam. And this one time, I had saw him and I was walking. He was like, come on, you're going with me. Come on, come on. And so I just started walking with him. And, you know, Brother Paul would teach me all sorts of lessons. You know, I, I wouldn't get a chance to tell him what was on my mind or what I was wrestling with. But he'd start out here, talk all the way over here, and he's addressed my problem three to four times. And I'm like, man, yo, 
this dude is crazy. He's, he's got it like this. But anyway, we're, we're talking, and, we're, and then we drive over to where Costa Dare is living, and we're there. And I'm just sitting there. He says, come on, just sit with me. And he's talking, and him and Costa Dare are talking back and forth. And I hadn't got a chance to say anything, you know, and, I'm, and I dare not talk because I'm listening. I'm just watching this. And then Brother Paul, he says, Brother Costa, Brother Costa, this young man wants you to lay hands and pray for him. And I was like, I didn't, I didn't tell you that, you know. But I was like, yeah, I do, you know. <clears throat> Let me take a water break here. <clears throat> so I'm like, yeah, I, I do want you to pray for me, but, you know, this is all in my head. So, and I, and at this time, Brother Costa is weak, and, you know, he's, okay, him and Brother Paul are talking back, and he's like, okay, okay. And then he puts his hand on me, and all of a sudden it's like, I don't know where this strength and life came from, but he's like, God, and he starts to pray, and his voice gets strong, and I'm like, yo, (laughs) and I don't know what to do. You know, I don't know what to do. I just receive it, but I thank God for that moment because it was an impartation and something to store. And see, Elam, you're going to have those opportunities. You're going to be sitting there. going to be all kind of people who will come through here that you'll meet. And you'll have an opportunity just to soak up. And some things will be for now, and other things will be to store. You take notes. You receive it. You remember it. Because somewhere down the line, you will need it. Because, listen, not all, not, not all seasons of life are favorable. And I, I want to wrap it up on this point. There are many, there are, there are people that I know who went to Elam who saw this stuff, who saw God move, who saw God, who heard God speak to them. But because a season of life came, it wrecked them. They didn't contend for what was spoken over their life. And I, I, I asked one, one guy, I was like, so all of this stuff, I was like, you, you don't think that happened? And he was like, nah, 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 nah. And I still pray for him because while there's breath in his body, the story isn't over. But I know many people like that. And so why I'm saying store this up, be anchored in what God is doing here in this living stream is because there'll be seasons in life where there there will be strong winds blowing, there may be heat, it may seem like there are no water sources, but because you have something stored up, you will begin to draw on that life. You know, I believe it's the prophet Isaiah when he talks about Jesus, he says Jesus was a root out of dry ground. Meaning the ground didn't have life to support him, But he, the son, had life within himself. And listen, with the Holy Spirit living within us and all of this that we're receiving, we should be able to to be sustained in rough seasons of life. And so as you're going through your time at Elam, store it up. These moments are so precious, and you're going to probably hear it said a million times, but soak it up. 
Take notes. Keep a journal of what God does in your life. Write write a a living testimony so you can look back and remember. In those moments, you'll be able to, to, to strengthen your faith because there will be moments in the future you will have to contend for what God has spoken and done in your life because the enemy is going to test it. He's going to test it. It's what he did to Peter. You know, Jesus has spoken to Peter. He says, look, Simon, but I'm going to call you Peter. And then one day Jesus says, you know, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I prayed for your faith that it will not fail. And see, the time of sifting or the time of testing is going to come for everyone. And Jesus doesn't pray that we avoid the tests. He prays that we pass the tests. Because the test has a way of sifting us. And what do I mean by sifting? Getting rid of the weak stuff in our life. Getting rid of the stuff that needs to be done away with. The stuff that's not like him. He allows us to be sifted. Yes, Satan uses it to destroy us or to try to make us fall away from God. But Jesus says, Peter, I prayed for your faith. And see, Peter was able, it, w- it was rough, but he was able to make it. And because he, his faith was able to sustain him, he was able to preach on Pentecost. And you were able to see 3,000 plus come into the kingdom. So it's imperative that your life right now, I'm telling you, the fruit that's going to come from this room is going to be tremendous. I cannot imagine, I can't fathom the nations that will be rocked because of you in this room. I can't imagine the cities that will be turned up, upside down because of you in this room. I can't imagine for the young girls or, or, the, or the young boys who don't know Jesus who will rejoice at hearing the good news from your lips. I can't imagine the families that will be restored because of you in this room. But that's fruit. In order to see that fruit, we need to tend to the root. Worry about the roots. Even the struggles in your own life that you're having, habits that you're trying to break, and you're so focused on trying to pluck away the bad fruit from your life, look, don't waste energy with that. Deal with the root. Just begin to meditate on God's word. Keep praying. Keep fasting. Keep pressing into God. And those things will begin to change. But don't stress yourself trying to be a flute plucker. Take, take, take. No, just tend to the root. And the spirit of God will do the rest. Let me pray for you. I keep hearing this word resistance. And for some of you, it's a matter of surrender and submission. God has been asking you to take your hands off and you keep trying to sabotage it. (laughs) Keep putting your hands in the way. And this is not a word of judgment or condemnation. It's just what is happening. 
And there is grace for you to be able to take your hands off and just to trust him. I don't know who you are, but maybe you haven't been able to trust many people in your life. And so when you hear people talk about surrender, when you hear me mention surrender, there's something that jolts in you because like, oh, I can't, I can't give my life over to someone else. I have to maintain control. God is asking you to surrender. And listen, he's a good father. He's not going to hurt you in ways that will damage you and ruin you. God is not out to shame you. But God's hands are like a gentle surgeon. He knows exactly what to touch. He knows exactly what to cut away without damaging anything else. You need to take your hands off. You're right where he wants you to be. Just stop fighting. Stop resisting. And so for those of you who may have that resistance, I'll I'll, I'll just want to pray for you right now. Father God, I pray for those who are struggling with letting go. Father God, I just pray that they would feel your grace and your love washing over them at this moment. That they would just begin to open up their hands and just say, be it unto me according to your word. Lord, I I surrender. I submit to your plan. I hear the Lord saying, taste and see. Try me. I'm good. You can trust me. I've already laid down my life for you. Father, may they surrender. Submit to your will. Father, I thank you for these students. Thank you for what you're doing in their lives. Father, may they soak up all that you have for them so that nothing is wasted. May they be faithful stewards of what you deposit in their lives. And Father, we give you praise and we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for your attentiveness.